Come on, one more time. Come on, with the loudest praise of the day, one more time. God, we thank you that we praise your name. Come on, you may be seated in the house of God. Come on, somebody, high five your neighbor. Tell him it is good to be at the hill today. It's good to be at the hill today. That was awesome, my goodness. That song gets me every time. Is there anybody that feels that with me? My goodness. Come on, no other. Good job. No other. Come on, somebody. That'll, man, if that don't make you shout, your shoulders broke. Am I right, somebody? Come on, man. I'm excited about today. We're in our, our series, Let's Get Practical. And we've been planning this this day for a while. I told y'all I had something special coming. And, and so in, in my life, I've got a few, there's a few different pastors that have spoken to my life that have helped uh, create uh, create me to what I am and, and we really steered vision and encouraged me and one of those was the pastor I had growing up and that's Randy Hayward and the next one of those um, was the pastor that I had and started serving other Steve Finney and the next one of those is with us today all the way from Huntsville, Texas come on somebody from Conroe, Texas come on somebody they're, they're a multi-site church um, in, in rural Texas come on I thought what God was showing us to do it was unique no no there's other men and women of God doing it come on somebody and uh, I I, the Lord had been stirring in my spirit that we were supposed to plant a church in Bolivar, Missouri. I didn't know how. I didn't know what that looked like because we were pastoring a church in Stockton. I didn't know uh, even what, even if that was possible. And I'm preaching in Stockton one day, and this family of models walk in. Come on, somebody. They're all tall and good looking, and and then and Drew wasn't with them because that would have ruined the whole thing. Come on, somebody. And uh, and uh, he's a he's a Dallas fan. There's a few of you. We like Dallas for the NFC. We got a you got a Dallas guy in the house right there. Come on. Uh, the rest of us. AFC go Chiefs. Come on, somebody. But anyhow, we ain't got time to go there. That's my Super Bowl pick. Come on, somebody. Anyhow, anyhow, um, it was interesting because they show up and, and immediately the Lord begins to talk to my heart about one of the, one of the guys. And dude's like, I looks like a six foot four inch muscular Abercrombie and model, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch model slash Viking. So I was kind of afraid of this dude. And, and uh, no, and the Lord began to speak to me about, it, about him. And I thought, Lord, you know, I don't want to weird this family out week one. Come on, somebody. I don't, I don't really want to do this. And the Lord just kept on my heart. I want you to so I did. I shared it after I got done preaching. I shared the, the prophetic word, and I ran down to meet them and, and introduced myself, and they said, oh, yeah, it was right on, and, and Pastor Jeff was with them, and he said, now tell me, what are you? I said, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Caucasian male, and he said, no, no, that's not what I mean. He says, well, what's your background? I said, well, uh, Pastor, there's a whole, a whole bunch of stuff got thrown into a fire. I'm a casserole. A whole bunch of stuff got thrown into the fire, and this is what come out. Come on, somebody. We had a good talk, and, and he told me then that he was a pastor and pastored uh, four campuses in, in, in the, it was north of Houston in rural, rural Texas, and my heart was like, oh my gosh, Lord, you've brought, I don't know who to call, and you've brought someone to our house that can speak life into the vision that you've given us, and I don't know how to do it, but you're so good. You brought someone 13 and a half hours, come on somebody, to attend a service in Stockton, Missouri, to just share, well, 13 if I'm driving, if it's, he's driving about nine, eight, he said, and so I said, can I call you and just pick your brain? So I did. I called him and told him what it was in our heart. And we drove down to Houston to meet him and his family and, and chat. And I was leaving Texas. We were leaving, the, leaving Houston. Actually, we met in Houston. I was leaving Houston. And, and he called me. He said, hey, turn around. I want to talk to you. Um, there's a place called Papa's Seafood. Glory to God, it was good. He said, I want to take you out to eat. And let's go eat. And I want to talk. So we get there. And we got all four of our kids. Come on, somebody. And, and all four of our kids were all four good. That's a, man, I thought someone might shout with me. 
My God, look at y'all. Like you got perfect kids. You can come to the altar. Come on, somebody. Anyhow, so our kids were being so good. Matter of fact, they were so good. This lady uh, came over and she said, I'm just so impressed with how good your kids are. I want to give you guys a $100 gift certificate to this restaurant. Come on, somebody. I was like, good job. I didn't share it with them. Come on. So we ate and then left the rest on a tip to the waitress. But uh, as we were sitting there, Pastor Jeff and Eileen looked at me and Megan and they said, God's gifted you. We believe in you. And we want to be the first people to sow into a church that's just in your heart. Come on, somebody. Come on. Oh, that was a cute. Now, we can do better than that. He said, I want, we want to be the first people to sow into the vision and the dream that God's given you. And guys, that seed is what began the, that, that seed bought the first computer. Come on, somebody, for the Hill Bolivar. I'm saying, like that seed is what helped the, the vision and the dream come to pass. And so since then, every time I'm upset or frustrated, which is, Hardly ever. Uh, I call him and he's tired of hearing me gripe, I'm sure. Uh, but he always speaks life into me. I was talking to him last week. I'm just trying to give you a little background. I was talking to him uh, last week and I said, man, I was sharing with my, my team, the, the different pastors, the, uh, something you said. And I was telling you, you said it and how we got to create vacuums. And, and I began to talk about it. And Pastor Jeff goes, now, hold on, hold on. What I say, I need to hear it again because that sounds really good. Come on, somebody. I'm excited, man, to have one of my heroes in the faith at our house. I told him y'all were rowdy, so don't disappoint. Come on, somebody. Can you get on your feet and put your hands together for Pastor Jeff Hackleman? Amen. 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 Thank you. God bless you. You can be so let's give Jesus a hand clap real quick. Come on. He gets all the glory. Absolutely. What a great blessing it is to be here. We have roots in Missouri and uh, between El Dorado and, and Stockton, we've had a family farm there for, my grandparents grew up in that area. And so I've made a trip to Missouri, to El Dorado Springs, Missouri, since I was in my mother's womb every year, at least once a year, if not twice a year. And so, uh, but I never thought I'd ever be speaking in Missouri, okay? And, um, and you know, we, we actually lied to Bo, okay? We told him his prophecy was right on, but it was way off, okay? He, the only guy in our whole family who has no music ability, besides me, by the way, even Drew plays the guitar, okay? Uh, he said, man, I see praise and worship in you, and I see you involved with instruments. And he's talking about the, uh, what did you call him, a Viking? It was the Viking guy. His name is Josh. And man, and I see, and, and Josh couldn't carry a tune if he had to save his life, okay? And he can't play anything. Does he play anything? He, yeah, no, I was about to say, yeah, yeah, he actually plays the radio, okay? And, and, but, you know, it's amazing because you have to, you know, God does things and sometimes we have to catch up to it later. And so he wasn't involved with any of that. And, but guess what? Within a few months, he started getting involved in our sound ministry, okay? How many of you know sound ministry has a lot to do with music? It has a lot to do with singing. In fact, if they don't do a good job, we all fail. Give the sound people a hand clap. The only people, the only time you even look at the sound ministry is if somebody does something wrong, okay? Everybody glances back and gives a hard glare. You guys have a tough job, so. Um, so anyways, yeah, so it did come to pass, but we're thinking when he's prophesying over Josh, he said, man, you missed it by one person. It was the guy, the person next to him sings every Sunday, you know? And, uh, and who knows? How many of you know the last chapter hadn't been written? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, the last chapter hadn't been written in your life. There's a lot more chapters in your life. 
Oh, man, I tell you, we love Bo and Megan. It's just been a Holy Ghost connection. We've had so much fun, and uh, we've uh, gotten to know each other, and we've gone on trips together, and, 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 and it's just, uh, uh, just so proud of what they're doing. How many of you thank God for pastors with vision and faith? Amen? Come on. Amen? You know, God loves to do big things in small places. That's why a savior that saved the world was born in a little bitty village called Bethlehem. Just a few small houses, they're a very small place because God loves to do big things in small places. And uh, it doesn't have to be in St. Louis, it doesn't have to be in Kansas City, it doesn't have to be in Springfield. God loves to do big things in small places. We've been pastoring in small county America for over 30 years now, my wife and I. My wife is speaking today at Stockton, and really, I told Bo, she needs to speak in all your camp. If you want to have a great sermon, send Eileen to all your campuses, okay? He said, no, Pastor Jeff, we're stuck with you in Bolivar, okay? So here we go. In fact, go ahead and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hopefully, you brought your Bible or something. I don't know if they'll probably put it on the screen. Hebrews 11, Mark chapter 11, and you can write down, if you would like, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Also, you can write that down. Um, so... I want to talk for a moment because God's doing big things in small places like Bolivar and like Stockton. You guys have four campuses now. But I'm going to tell you right now, it only happens because you have a spirit of faith. And you have to have a spirit of faith to do anything for God, but especially to do, do big things in small places. You must have a spirit of faith. And the pastor's not the only one that can have it. The church has to have it. Because if you don't have a spirit of faith, you will not be in sync with what's happening in this church. You'll be, you'll be zigging while the church is zagging, okay? And, and, and you'll be thinking, why are they doing that? Why are they, I can't believe. What are you, and, and listen, when you have a spirit of faith, it changes everything. And so today, and I know you guys are in a series on faith, so today I'm gonna talk for a few moments about faith and, and how you and I, because I believe that as we talk about it, you guys are gonna catch a spirit of faith, amen? Some of you have it, some of you is just gonna be re-energized and we're gonna go forward in a spirit of faith. And um, you know, there's, there's, uh, um, um, there's so much uh, to say about faith and so I'm gonna keep it to just two, two passages primarily. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, it says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Those who diligently seek him. Let me just start off by saying, first of all, if you're going to have a spirit of faith and you're going to walk in faith, it's going to cost you something. It's not going to be free. You don't, you don't get faith or a spirit of faith. When I got saved, um, for the first 20 years of my life, we lived about 40 miles from the local church we attended. I got saved at Lakewood Church. We lived in Humble, Texas. It was 40 miles through the freeways of Houston to get to Lakewood Church, and yet my parents never missed a service, never missed a convention, and back in those days, you had five services every day for a month during the conventions. But they never missed a day. You know why? Because faith's gonna cost you something. They had to say no to this and no to that and no to some of this and no to some of that. But if you and I are going to get a spirit of faith, it's going to take a diligence that's going to cost us something. Amen? But then it goes on to say this, um, without faith it's impossible to please. I'm going to give you four quick statements. Number one, faith, number one, you can write these down, faith is necessary. 
It says, without it, you can't please God. Without it, you can't please. It's not unlikely that you're not going to please God if you don't have it. It's not like one in a million if you don't have faith. No, listen, there is zero chance you're going to please God without faith. Zero. In fact, you ought to clap because we're in a series on faith right now so we can please God. Amen. Let's just stop and clap right now. Thank God for a church and a pastor who will teach you faith because you're never going to please God without it. There are some things in the Bible that are optional. I'm going to tell you, love is not optional. You got to love. If you don't have love, you don't have anything. You can speak with tongues as men and angels and do all that stuff, but if you don't have love, you are nothing, the Bible says. Love's not optional. Forgiveness is not optional. If you don't forgive, the Bible says God can't forgive you. Faith is not optional. There's other things that if you don't walk in it, you're just going to miss out on the blessings of it. The Bible's filled with promises, and if you don't walk out the obedience of that promise, you will not get the benefit of God's blessing in that area. But I'm telling you, faith is 100% necessary. So it says, without it, you cannot please God. This verse could leave us thinking, man, it sounds like it's hard to please God, but I'm gonna tell you right now, it's easy to please God. God is not hard to please. I don't want this verse to leave you with the wrong impression. I'm going to say it again. Number one, it's easy to receive from the Lord. Preachers have made it difficult. I'm going to say it again. This is a revolutionary statement, but get a hold of it. It's easy. It's easy to receive from the hand of God. He's so, he's a loving, benevolent father. You know, we make it hard, but I'm telling you, it's easy to receive from the Lord. And number two, listen, it's uh, uh, God is not hard to please. God is easy to please, and you cannot please him without knowing it because he is a rewarder by nature. And when God rewards you, you're going to know it's God, and you're going to understand that only God could have done that for me. Amen? And so um, it's necessary. Number one, faith is necessary. We have to have it. James said it this way. And you can write down James chapter 1, but James said it this way. He said, um, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. It says God will give to you if you ask for wisdom. And by the way, that's not just wisdom. That's anything in the Bible. Wisdom was just an example in that verse. Any, God doesn't just give wisdom liberally. He gives all of his promises liberally. It's not just wisdom, but if anybody lacked wisdom, let him ask and who, who God would give to you liberally and he upbraideth not. And, and man, just if you need something from the Lord, ask. But then the next verse says this, but let him ask in faith. And then it goes on to say, ask in faith, not wavering, that you cannot be like the wave of the sea because if you're like the wave of the sea and you don't ask in faith, then it goes on to say, don't let that man think he'll receive anything from God. Why? Because faith is necessary for you to ask and to receive from the Lord. The Bible says we walk by faith. The Bible says we love or we live by faith. The Bible says we stand by faith. The Bible says we fight the fight of faith. The Bible says we rest in faith. The Bible says we overcome. So how many of you love to be overcomers? Shout amen one time. Come on. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 
We're saved by faith. The Bible says above all the weapons and above all the armor that you carry, above everything, above all of it, take the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So when we talk about faith, it's very important. It's important that we understand it. It's important that we walk in it. We need to become familiar with faith. Amen? Number one, it's necessary. Number two, faith is motion activated. Faith is motion activated. I remember the first time, some of you are young and you just grew up with this, but I grew up in a world that had no cell phones. I don't think Bo and Megan even remember those days, amen, but I grew up in a world, I'm a little bit older than them. Come on, how many of you remember a day when there was no cell phones? Put your hand down, Bo. How many of you remember when there's a day when there's no cell phones? Come on, we got, we got, we got a few. I, I, love, I, I love a young church, amen, because three people lifted their hands. You guys are young now. I remember a world when it's like, how did we live before all this stuff and cell phones? And, and, but I also remember the first time I went to a motion-activated faucet. I, I don't know if it was an airport. I can't remember where it was, but I do remember going in, and, and I looked at the, at, the, at the fixture, and I thought, man, somebody messed up. This plumber needs to be fired, okay? They forgot to put the nozzle on it. I mean, I really did this. They forgot to put the nozzle on it. And I looked at it and I stared at it and I thought, man, Jeff, come on now. And, uh, and, and, and so I thought, you know what? And I know what it is because I've seen this before. It's under the bottom and you push a pedal. And I've done that before. I thought I better start looking under there. I thought, man, where's that pedal at, you know? There was no pedal. And I'm sitting there looking. And a 12-year-old little kid walked in. I don't know how old he was, but about 10 or 12 years old. He walks in and walks straight up there and puts his hand under there. And immediately water starts shooting out. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And I thought, what a smart aleck, you know? <laughs> and what a smart aleck. And, and so he, he gets his, And then I thought, wow. So in the same way, guys, listen, faith is motion activated. If you study the Bible, you'll find out that faith is a noun. I didn't want it to be a noun. I wanted it to be a verb, okay? But faith in the New Testament is a noun. Now, the word believe is a verb. You know why faith is a noun? Because faith is a substance. It's a substance by which you and I receive the kingdom of God. It's a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is this substance that you and I learn to walk in and acquire and live by because the secret to living, the secret to living in this life is learning to live by that kingdom in this world. The secret's not to die and go to heaven. The secret is to bring heaven down to this earth. It's to live in this earth and be able to have joy from that menu. See, there's two menus in life. Only two, not five, not seven, not three. Two menus. The menu that this earth offers you and the menu that the kingdom of God offers you. And the secret for your children to have a great life and the secret for you to have a great life is for you to learn to live in this world and yeah, you can enjoy whatever you can enjoy on this world's menu, but when you get born again, there's a whole other menu that you get to live off of. A menu that has peace and has joy that, that no man can take and peace that passes understanding. It has wisdom like we just talked about. It has all these amazing things that are on that menu and if you want to have an amazing life, this world can't give you the peace that's on that menu. It can't give you the joy that's on that menu. It can't give you the wisdom that's on that menu. It can't give you the favor that's on this other menu because it doesn't even exist in this world. It comes from another world. 
The joy that I walk in every day, the peace that I walk in every day, it's not this world doesn't have it, it can't give it, because it doesn't even exist. I'm, ta I'm downloading from another world, but yet I get to still live in this world with a peace, a joy, a favor, a wisdom, a grace, a blessing, an anointing. But you say, Pastor Jeff, I want to get good at living off the other menu. The only way you can live off the other menu is to learn to do what I'm preaching and what you guys are preaching in this series is to learn to live by faith because it's the only way to receive it. Come on, clap for just a moment, amen? Go ahead and clap. So, faith is a noun, believe is a verb. And so believing, so faith, that's why James says, faith without works is dead. You can have faith and it not even be working for you. You have to activate that faith because faith is motion activated. It's motion activated. You can have it, but it could be dead, it could be weak, it could be not, not uh, benefiting you, but you benefit it with actions. And so, how many of you know God is, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of what we might call uh, maybe adjective churches out there, noun churches. And, and, but but God's, God's looking for some verb churches. And that's why I thank God for the Hill Church all over this region. Because you guys aren't just sitting back and, and, and talking and making description. You're bringing action into the situation. Come on, you guys are a verb church. You're bringing action to your faith and you're activating that faith. Amen? Because motion is required. So in, in uh, the, uh, we're going to go look in a moment at the Apostle Paul. In fact, you can write down that verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. But it says this. It says, having the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore we speak. Having the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore we speak. So Paul lets us clearly know what a spirit of faith is. A spirit of faith is, is you believe it and you speak it. And that equates to a spirit of faith, and that's what it is. And how many of you believe the Apostle Paul is qualified to speak on this subject? Amen? He is the most, he's no doubt probably the most productive Christian that has ever lived on the face of this earth. He did more damage to, the, to hell than any other believer that has ever walked this earth. Amen? Listen, he took four missionary journeys and he brought, he literally brought the gospel eventually to Europe and Europe brought it to Bolivar, Missouri. Amen. You can, you can trace a trail straight from Bolivar, Missouri, straight to the Apostle Paul's ministry. Straight, there's a direct line to his ministry, but not without adversity. Paul had some adversity. He took four missionary journeys. He had some adversity. He had peril. He has peril in land, and he said peril on the sea. He was falsely accused. He was mobbed. He was snake bit. He was bitten. He was uh, beaten. Thirty-nine stripes. He was beaten five times with thirty-nine stripes. History will tell us many men never made it through one of those beatings, one of those scourgings. He went through five of them. He was beaten with rods three times. Come on. He was shipwrecked four times. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in one shipwreck. <laughs> Amen? Not even one. I, um, on my boat, I, I, I do a lot of things to make sure I don't shipwreck. Okay? I have a thing called a VHS, which is a special radio that's just for the ocean. In case you get in trouble, you pick up that radio and start saying, help, help. I have another thing called a VIA. You guys are familiar with the GPS and all that, but another thing called an EPIRB. 
an EPIRB is an emergency beacon or something like that. You, when, you, when that thing, when you pull the button on that or it hits the water, the Coast Guard is coming. The helicopters are on their way. The ship is on their way. Why do you do that? Why do you spend the money to do that? Because I do not want to be on a shipwreck, not even one. By the way, Pastor Bo went with me fishing. Do you want to hear the story? If you do, say amen. amen. That's not enough of you. If you really want to hear a story, say amen. Okay, so Bo and Megan and their family came to our family retreat this year. Our, I mean, our staff retreat. It was a staff retreat. And uh, we happened to do it at the beach. And the whole week, it was rough. We go out on the deck, look at the water, and there's white caps. I said, guys, it's too rough. Well, I'm going to you know when you got a spirit of faith on you, nothing's too rough. Right? When you got a spirit of faith, nothing's too rough. But oh, you know how Pastor Bo is? We can take any mountain. That's nothing, Pastor Jeff. That's nothing. I said, you want some of this? You want some of this? Let's go do it. So we proceed out into the ocean. And Pastor Bo begins to realize sometimes it's good not to have a spirit of faith. Amen? <laughs> it can't get you in trouble. And um, we get out there, and y'all, he gets seasick. And he starts chumming over the side, okay? He just starts chumming over the side. And he kept being sick, and he just kept on being sick. And he said, I know he said, is Pastor Jeff going to take me back in? And it's like, Bo, I told you, I don't go in for anybody but my wife. Okay, so if, if, uh, if you think you might get sick, take my wife, okay? And then make her get sick, and we'll, we'll go back in, all right? His son, Jace, was with us. His son didn't get sick. He, I'm, but I watched him. He faked sickness, okay, so he can make his dad feel better, okay? He literally faked Jace, faked seasickness so his dad would feel better about the whole thing. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I love it. But I do not, I mean, you know, I could go on and on. I, I've, I literally I have, I, have life, I have life jackets that are not, they're very expensive life jackets, so you, it'll keep you floating for the rest of your life if you need them, Okay. Um, I have another boat in, that literally, if, if we get in trouble, I've got another thing. I pull, I pull a string, and a whole other boat shows up inside of my boat. You know why? Because I don't want to get shipwrecked. Amen? Paul went through four of those shipwrecks. Not only that, y'all, he was, he was um, you know, he went through just trial. You know, this is funny, Bo, but I think when he ends this whole passage by saying, and above all of that, I got the cares of the churches. That was worse than, worse than 39 stripes and beaten with rods three times. Amen. That was the worst part of all. And Pastor Bo said, amen to that. No, literally, he had 40 guys. He had 40 guys who went on a hunger strike. Who said, we will not eat until this man is dead. Listen, I've made some people mad in my life, but I guarantee a Bubba ate supper that night, okay? They, did, they, they, they may have gotten mad, but they didn't go that far. He was stoned to death. The Apostle Paul was stoned to death and literally got up and walked away from that. When you get stoned to death, most of your bones are broken from big rocks they throw. And every time a rock hits, it breaks a bone. It breaks this, and it bruises and beats and crushes your skull in. And for, after he was stoned to death, he moved the rocks out of the way and got up and went and preached at the next town. Come on, you can clap right there, amen? This is the guy. This is the guy we're gonna talk about in just a moment. Amen. So real quickly, jump over, and it's gonna be on the screen to, to Mark chapter 11, St. Mark chapter 11, because you have a spirit of faith. 
I love what Paul said. He said this. He said, we having the same spirit of faith. I'm coming from Family Faith Church, and I'm saying to the Hill Church here in Bolivar, we in Texas having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. Amen. Thank God we've got the spirit of faith, and we believe and speak. But look at Mark chapter 11, verse 23. For first of all, verse 22 says, Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. It's in reference to a tree that just died overnight that he spoke to. Great backstory on this on how faith works. But verse 23 says this. It says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. How many of you believe Jesus knows a little bit about faith? Amen? Come on, we're going to talk about Paul some more in a minute, but how many of you believe Jesus might, just might be the expert? So he says, in this moment, when he cursed a fig tree, the fig tree didn't die. The next day, they're walking past that same fig tree, and Peter says, whoo, Jesus, look at that tree, because I'm sure the first day when Jesus said, no, you know, and he cursed the fig tree, they probably thought, well, he didn't fast enough, he didn't pray enough, it's not working. How many of you know sometimes when you live by faith, it doesn't happen immediately? Sometimes you don't see immediate results, but things are happening where you cannot see, where the roots are, where the problem is in the spirit world, God's dealing with the real deal, and you've got to stand in faith until you see the manifestation in this life. Amen? Well, they saw the manifestation the next day, and Jesus used that example to say, have faith in God. And then he begins to teach us what faith is. The same thing Paul said, I believe and therefore I speak. Now Jesus turns around and says the same thing, for verily I say unto you that whosoever, now listen, it starts out with a whosoever and ends up with a whatsoever. This verse starts with a whosoever shall say and ends up saying they'll have whatsoever he saith. I love it. That means that you can do this. I can do this. This is not just for preachers. It's not just for evangelists. Whosoever means anybody. Oh, but Pastor Jeff, you don't know. I'm not perfect. It didn't say whosoever except for those that are perfect. It's just whosoever. You know what this tells me? I don't care where you're at in life right now, you have everything you need to get to where you need to be. If you're a whosoever, if you're a whosoever, shout amen one time. Amen. This is for everybody. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. And this brings me um, um, to my uh, second or third point. I've only got one more after this. I'm a pastor, amen. I, I was taught they that are sure to win will be heard again, amen. <laughs> amen. Get up, speak up, and shut up. Say unto the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Listen, if your faith is not strong enough to move your mouth, it probably won't move your mountain. If it can't move your mouth, it probably won't move your mountain. Number three, faith is scenery changing. Faith is scenery changing. Some of you may feel like you're surrounded by mountains right now. The thing about a mountain, as beautiful as they may be in different places, the thing about a mountain is you can't see, you don't have vision. When you're surrounded by mountains, you can only see the mountain. You don't know what's on the other side of the mountain because mountains kill vision. And some of you may feel like when you pop up out of your hole of life, you look up and all you can see is mountains all the way around you. 
a mountain of discouragement, a mountain of failure, a mountain of addiction, a mountain of doubt, a mountain. You may look at your children and see a mountain. You may look at your finances and just see a giant mountain, a mountain of problems, a mountain of failure, and you feel like every time I make a decision, it doesn't go right, or a mountain of just struggle, a mountain of, of, of stress. Every time you wake up, you just feel stressed out, and that mountain is there. A mountain of stress, a mountain of hurt, whatever it might be. But I'm going to tell you right now, faith is scenery changing. Faith moves mountains. Amen? It'll move the mountain. See, you don't have to settle with that depression. You don't have to settle with that, with that situation. You literally can move your mountain. But you got to speak to it. So often every day we're saying, Jesus, fix my mountain. Jesus, deal with my mountain. And we pray every day. We say, oh God, please help my mountain. I got mountains, I got problems, I got this, I got that. And we're asking the Lord to deal with our mountain. And you know what God's saying? I'm not moving your mountain. That's like saying, Lord, would you drive me to the grocery store this evening? He's not driving you to the grocery store. He gave you a car. He gave you an eyes and, and, a, and a foot and every you drive yourself to the in the same way he's already given you all that you need to move your own mountain. Stop asking him to move your mountain and speak to your mountain. We ask other people, we go pray, you know, Pastor Bo, please pray, I got a mountain. Listen, it doesn't say pray over your mountain, it says speak to your mountain. Whosoever shall say. Jesus spoke to trees, he spoke to storms, he spoke to mountains. He spoke to these things, he used words. And he spoke to the, to the mountain, to the tree. He spoke to the storm. And you see, that's why it says in, in, in Romans chapter 10, it says, listen, quit, quit asking Jesus to come down from heaven. Quit asking, Lord, come, or Lord Jesus, raise up from the dead and help me. He's already done that. He said to quit saying that. He said, don't you know? that your answer's already inside of you, then that is, the word is now you, even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we preach, that your answer is not trying to bring Jesus down to let him do it or raise him from the dead to do it. He's saying your answer is inside of you, the word of faith that we preach, and that is the word is now you, even in your mouth and in your heart. Come on, shout amen one time. If, if you got that, I'm gonna keep on moving, amen? We want to change our view, but Jesus says you got to change your words. I'll say it again. I didn't get enough amens. We want to change the view of our family, the view of our finances, the view. We need, we need to have more vision for life. We want to change our view. Jesus said, okay, you want to change the view? Then you got to change your words. That's why if you come to the Hill Church, let me tell you what's going to happen every week. You're going to learn a new language. I said, if you come to the Hill Church, week after week, you're going to learn a new language. No more language of defeat. No more language of despair. No more language of doubt. No more language of weakness. No more language of complaining. No more language of gossiping. You're going to learn a new language, and it's going to be a language of faith. Amen. You're going to learn the language of faith. My last point. And that is, is that if you walk by faith, it's sound before sight. It is sound. Not only is it motion activated, not only is it necessary, not only is it scenery changing, but listen, 
Faith is always going to be sound before sight. We want sight before sound. Well, if it changes, then I'll, then I'll tell people. No, no, you have to say it before you have it. That's God's nature. It started from the beginning. In the beginning, God said. The Bible says the darkness was upon the face of the deep. How many, I like what Charles Capp said years ago. He said, if it would have been us and we would have been there, and the Bible says there's darkness upon the face of the deep, we would have said, Lord, it sure is dark up here. He didn't do that. You know what God said? In the midst of darkness, he said, let there be light. In the midst of darkness, he said, let there be light. In the midst of darkness, he didn't talk about the darkness. He didn't ask about the darkness. He said, let there be light. And God said it, and guess what? He saw it. Then he went on through the entire first part of that chapter. God said, and God saw, and it was good. And God said, and God saw, and it was good. And God said, and God saw, and it was good. And God said, and God saw, and it was good. And God said, and God saw, and it was good. And God said, and God saw, and it was good. And the next verse says, now let us make a man like us. The only thing we know about God at that point, the only thing we know about God, he's a God that says, and it's so, and it's good. Come on, Pastor Jeff, what are we talking about? We're talking about a spirit of faith. Paul says, I believe and therefore I speak. Therefore, I've got the same spirit of faith. Amen? So you got to have sound before sight. That means you should leave your voice print all over your world. If you ever move away from this community, your voice print ought to be all over this community with prophetic words, with you speaking the word. You ought to have a voice print on your kids. You should have a voice print on your checkbook. You should have, they say that our voice is as unique as our fingerprint. It's as unique. You know, they, a lot of the security things use your eye and your retina today. They said that the voice is as unique as your retina. So that your voice print can do what no one else's voice print can do. That's why your mountain needs to hear your voice, not Pastor Bo's voice. Your mountain needs to hear your voice. I said, your mountain needs to hear your voice. Someone can't do that for you. If Jesus could do it for you, he would. If Pastor Bo could do it for you, he would. But no one can do that for you. You have to do it. And we leave our voice print, just like God has left his voice print. God's voice print is in everything. They tell us, when I grew up and in, 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 when I went to school, they told us that the smallest particle that they've been able to discover as they break it all the way down is an atom. And when I went to school, they said that the smallest thing is an atom and it's made up of basically three parts, a proton, a neutron, and an electron. That's what they taught us. Come on, how many of you went through that class? Let me see your hand. Come on, let me see your hand. You went through that class. Well, guess what? They lied, okay? Because now they broke, well, they didn't really lie, they just didn't. Now they have super colliders that cost billions of dollars and they take particles and they crash them together and now they've been able to break it down even further. And now it's, they've come and realized that it's not the smallest particle. The smallest particle is called a quark, a quark. And there's, there's quarks, there's like three quarks and a proton and three quarks and a neutron. But then they've even now even found out there's even something smaller than a quark. In fact, the man who found it, you know what he called it? 
He called it the God particle. He did. And the science community didn't like it, and then they've changed it to tiny particle. But in many of the writings you'll find today, it is called the God particle. And they've done research on this thing called the God particle to figure out what is this? It is the tiniest thing we can find in life. It's called a, uh, it's called a, the God particle or the tiny particle. And they've, they've reduced it down. And you know what they've said? They said the closest thing we can say that it is, if we had to say this is what it is, they said literally it is a sound wave. It's made up of sound. How many of you know God said and literally his words went into every atom that has ever existed? Why? Because he leaves his voice print everywhere. My question is to you is do, what does your voice print have on it, number one? Because your, your words can be used for good or bad. Life or death is in the power of the tongue. Life or death. And we should have a powerful voice print your voice print should be on your grandkids your voice print should be on your children your voice print should be in every area on this church in this community listen every listen when i come to missouri i leave a voice print when i'm back in texas my voice print is still living just like the cork is living in that atom come on shout amen one more time amen the most interesting thing about this verse that i found is that the word say is used three times. The word believe is used one time. So that you're going to have to learn to say God's word and prophesy like Bo talked about earlier. You're going to have to learn to speak God's word three times as much. Because until you start saying it, you're never going to believe it. If you just hear it, it's not going to be enough. Even though faith comes by hearing, but to be able to activate your faith, you're going to have to say it. So in, when Jesus taught the greatest verse in all the Bible about faith, in verse 23, the word say is used three times. The word believe is used one time. But the word believe, the word say, in those three times is three different Greek words. The first two Greek words in that verse whosoever shall say unto this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but believe but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith the first two words literally means to speak or to command the last word saith means literally it means the, the, the definition of it is a systematic set of discourse it's a systematic set of discourse. It is the Greek word lego. Some of you younger parents, you know what the word lego is. You've heard that word. I've heard that word. I know that word, the word lego. He shall have whatsoever he legos. Systematic set of speaking. He shall have whatever he saith. What's a Lego? A Lego is a toy, if you want to call it a toy. A nightmare, if you want to call it a nightmare. Misery, if you want to call it misery. It, it's, it's, it's a kid's for you older grandparents who've never been in this world. The three of you that are here. Amen? I'm a grandparent. I've got, I went from zero to five grandchildren overnight. Come on, shout amen to that one time. Zero to five overnight. It's a story. But you buy this box and on the box there's this beautiful picture of maybe um, 
help me, maybe a race car, maybe um, a spacecraft, or something like that. And on the outside is this beautiful thing. It's like a toy. It's a spacecraft. It's a, it's a truck, or maybe it's a car, this beautiful car. And the thing is, is that you open it up, and when you look inside, there's no car. There's a bunch of tiny pieces of plastic inside of it. And some of you may feel like that about your life right now. Pastor Bo gets up here and he preaches, man, God's gonna give you, he paints the most beautiful picture, but when you get home and open your box of life, it ain't nothing but a bunch of broken little pieces. And that's how life is. You hear great preaching and you hear that God wants to bless you and use you, but in all reality, if you're honest, there's a lot of broken pieces going on, just like a set of Legos. By the way, another reason I don't like Legos, if you lose three pieces, you might as well throw the whole thing away. And how many of you know kids are good at flushing things down the toilet and losing things under the couch? And so that's the third reason I don't like them is if you ever step on one in the middle of the night, go into the bathroom, you will find out if you're really a Christian, okay? You will find out if you really are righteous and holy. Because anyways, we'll keep moving. Amen? But you may feel like, man, my life is in pieces. My life. But guess what? If you understand the kingdom of God and how it works, and if you understand the teachings of Jesus, and you understand the teachings of Paul, and you understand how to download that kingdom into your life, that you can get a systematic set of speech and just like you build a Lego toy, you can start today building your life. And it can look like the picture if you can stay at it and keep reading the instructions and keep building and keep saying and keep building and keep saying. And just like you build a Lego set, you build your life according to Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Come on, clap right there and shout amen. what Dr. Paul Youngie Cho said about faith and about speaking. Paul Youngie Cho has pastored the largest church in the history of mankind. He has 1.5 million members in his church in Seoul, Korea. Wonderful man, humble man, powerful man. But I love what he said years ago about it. He said, he said this, he said, you cannot separate faith from confession. You'll never be able to separate the two. So then he was eating with one of the members of his church who was the top neurosurgeon in all of Korea and all of the Asia area. He was having lunch with him. And this neurosurgeon began to tell him, he said, you know, we've been doing some new research, Pastor. And he said, guess what we found out? We found out some amazing things. He said, we found out that the speech center, through the testing and the way they do this, that the speech center of the brain literally controls and has dominion over the entire nervous system. So that part of the brain, as they began to activate it and do research, they found out that the speech, a lot of part of your brain, but the speech part of the brain, it has dominion over the whole nervous system. Then he said this, he said, not only that, he said, but the speech center of the brain, we have realized through our research, has dominion over the whole body. And then he goes on and says this, literally he sat there with that pastor and said, that means when you begin to say, I'm tired with your mouth, then your body prepares to get tired. 
when you begin to say, I'm getting old, then everything starts sagging on your body. Come on, I'm kidding, okay? But you're, when you begin to say, I'm old, your body starts preparing to get old. When you begin to say, I'm afraid, then your body begins to get ready for fear. This is what a neurosurgeon is telling a pastor. Then he said, you know what? He said, when you begin to say, I'm weak, I'm so weak. He said, your body prepares and your, your, your entire uh, nervous system prepares to get weak. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Okay, I'm gonna try that again. Let's see if we can get a better amen. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. You don't say what you feel. Listen, your tongue is an instrument of prophecy. I'm telling you this morning how we built our family, how we built our churches. We built it the way I'm, what I'm telling you today is by calling into existence the things that do not exist. Because listen, everything responds to words. <laughs> Come on, Every, everything responds to words. A tree responded to words. A storm responded to words. Amen? A mountains, Jesus said, mountains in your life, they respond to words. When Jesus dealt with demons, and listen, not only in the natural world, but everything responds to words in the spirit world. Your words is the only thing you have in your life and in all of your arsenal. Your words is the only thing you have that has impact in three worlds. The soulish world, which is the mind, will, emotions, the natural world, and the spirit world. Nothing else you have can affect the spirit world. Nothing else you have can affect all three worlds except your words. When Jesus dealt with demon spirits, he did not meditate them out. He did not hope them out. He spoke words. And when he spoke words, demon spirit, demon spirits responded to words. No one saw the demons. No one could see the demons. They saw the response of the demons, but they couldn't see the spirits. But words went into the spirit world and drove the demons out of people's lives. Because your words is the only thing you have in your whole arsenal that's three-dimensional. Shout amen. I'll keep moving. I want to make sure you get it. I want to make sure you get it before we keep because I'm about to wind it up. So he says to, to, to Paul Youngie Cho, that, you're, that we've learned that the speech center of the brain, the speech center of the brain controls the body. It, it, it has dominion over your nervous system. Paul Youngie Cho said, me know that, me know that long time. I'm trying to work on my Korean. Hang on a second. Uh, me know that long time, okay? And the guy said, no, this is new research. We're the only ones doing this. Oh, no, 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 me know that a long time. Dr. James. I said, who's Dr. James? Dr. James in the New Testament. Little member, control whole body. Little member, control whole body. Wow. Amen. So as I close, let me just say, when you can get your speaker connected to your believer, now you have a spirit of faith. And when you have a spirit of faith, you can build anything. When you have a spirit of faith, you can download that kingdom 
every day of your life. You're not gonna get that kingdom because you want it. You're not gonna get that kingdom because you need it. You can have all the needs you want, but God does not respond to need. I'm waiting for a better amen, okay? <laughs> this is the truth. I wish it would be great if he did. He doesn't respond to desperation. God responds to faith. You're saved by faith. You live by faith. You walk by faith. You overcome by faith. All the life in, the, in this world responds to that faith. Amen? So bow your heads with me just for a moment. So before, before, we, um, before we close, let me just say, we found the problem. The problem with all of us is right below our nose. Amen? So I'm going to have an altar call. We're going to all come lay our tongues on the altar. Amen? And we're gonna have a repentance service. But really and truly, when you can get your speaker connected to your believer, now you can live by faith. And now you can literally walk out the kingdom of God. I think if, and I'm, these numbers are accurate or very close. You'll find out even in Jesus's ministry, there were 16 individual miracles. And I think it's 12 out of the 16, the people were healed on their own faith. It wasn't because Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus looked at him and he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Or your faith, your faith has made you whole. Why? Because once again, we're waiting for God. We're begging God and God says, no, stand up, speak to your mountain, speak to your tree, speak to your situation and watch what God will do. He'll back your words. You carry the authority, amen? So bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to help us all as we go forward to build your kingdom, to build our families, to build our marriages. Help us to put the voice print. Help us to stop arguing and complaining and griping about our marriage and help us to put a righteous voice print on our marriage, a righteous voice print on our children, a righteous voice print, a biblical Bible voice print on our checkbook on our church, on our life, on our children, on our grandchildren. Help us as we go forward to not only believe what you say, but to say it boldly. To say it boldly, not to waver like the wave of the sea, but to say it boldly. We believe in our heart and therefore we speak. And Lord, I, I thank you that by grace, I just speak blessings over Bolivar, over the hill, I speak the will of God. I speak the grace of God. And Lord, we all make decisions today that we're gonna use our faith and use our tongue for righteousness. Come on, right now, just dedicate your tongue. The most powerful member you have in your whole life, dedicate your tongue to God right now. Dedicate it to God. Dedicate it to Him. Say, Lord, I'll use my tongue for righteousness. I'll use my tongue for blessing. I'll use my tongue for faith. I'll use my ability to speak for the cause of God, for the benefit of people. In Jesus' name, if that's your prayer, shout hallelujah one time. Every head still bowed, every eye closed. If you're in the building, you say, Pastor Jeff, I'm in church today and I'm not right with God. I'm in church and I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I'm not serving God. I haven't been serving the Lord. I haven't even been going to church. But you say, today I want to get saved. Today I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to leave this building without making sure I'm born again. If that's you, lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're saying, please pray for me because today is my day. Amen. Just lift your hands, slip it up, and you can put it right back down. 
God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? There's another one. God bless you, ma'am. Anyone else? I see some children lifting their hands. I tell you, I got saved when I was 10 years old, and God hears the prayers of our kids. Anyone else with an uplifted hand that says, please include me in this prayer? Because I'm not leaving this building today until I know I'm right with God, and I'm going to receive Him by faith in my heart today. Anyone else? Just hold up your hand. Hold it up high. There's another one. God bless you. We're going to pray right where you're at. If you lifted your hand, pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Just pray it out loud. Say, oh God. Come on, we're going we're gonna to pray it with you. I'm going to ask the church to pray this with me. Everybody pray it together. But if you lifted your hand, pray it to God. Let's say it together. Say, oh God. Come on, help me. Oh God. You said in the Bible that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I call on you now. And I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me. I receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord in Jesus' name. I repent of all sin and I receive eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's clap and thank God. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God.